Mastercast, the official Games Master podcast, the only official Games Master podcast. If you find another one out there claiming, even an unofficial one, tell us about it. This is episode nine. My name is Robin Valentine. I'm the production editor on the magazine and your host for, I was going to say this evening, but it could be any time you're listening to this. This morning, this afternoon, this evening, this lunchtime, middle of the night, just to cover all my bases. I'm joined by Ben Griffin. Hello, how's it going? He's the senior staff writer on the magazine. I'm, I'm waving at you. That's, a, that's actually a lie. He's not even pretending. <laughs> oh, don't worry. it. They didn't know. Fools. Um, <laughs> I will not sit here and let you take advantage of our <laughs> listeners. Uh, I'm also joined by Matt Gilman. Well, hello there. He's the editor on the magazine. He's waving as well. You should know these things if you listen to the magazine. But if you don't... If you listen to the magazine... Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stand by that. <laughs> Um, you could have someone read it to you. That's that true. That's true, yeah. And we did uh, the other day, well, the other, uh, a few episodes ago, say that um, uh, that even if you can't read, you should pick up a copy of Games yeah, Master. Maybe we should do like audio, aud- like audio books of the mag. Just yeah. get, get you to read oh, them out. Man. Let's get like Morgan Freeman to yeah. read them out. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Troy Baker's probably free. He'll, he'll probably do yeah, it. yeah. He'd read them all in like the Joker voice yeah. or something. Yeah. Or Ross Kemp. That's Mark Hamill. <laughs> Ross Kemp. <laughs> yeah. What? He's got a nice voice. I met Ross Kemp once. What did he do to you? Uh, he didn't do anything to me. <laughs> okay. I just imagine him doing things. What? what um, how was no, he? Uh, well, he was. He parked his car outside of a hotel that I used to work at, oh, and okay. uh, and someone crashed into it. Oh no! Yeah, I know. I thought he was just going to explode, but apparently he was very nice about it. What did he say? I, I don't know. No worries, mate. That was Australian. Oh, I'm thinking of that crocodile on man. Yeah. Uh, Do you mean Steve Irwin? No, no, um, no. Crocodile Mark. Dundee. Oh, Paul, Paul Hogan. Hogan. Paul Hogan, yeah, yeah. Right, um, well, we've, we've definitely... <laughs> <got> a... <laughs> anyway. For a games podcast, we're off to a brilliant start, talking about Paul Hogan and Ross Kemp. Why are we talking about D-list celebrities when we could be talking about the biggest news in gaming right now that happened literally yesterday evening, or, I guess, a couple of days ago, <laughs> for those of you listening to this at home, the PlayStation... Pro, yes, uh, and other things that were announced at the same event. But it's been the talk of the office today. Sony's new hardware plans. I've actually made some notes. I've done a bit of research, which is unusual wow. for okay. this. What what's, feel... what's the the basic like? What what is it? So the PlayStation Pro is is a new iteration of the PS4. It's more powerful. It's it runs things at 4K. That's yes. the exciting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was holding so, for the so, applause. I mean, like it's it's like triple decker right now. So it's like three slabs on top of each other. Yeah, the it's, first one it's was a, it's a, a double decker. This is a triple decker. Yeah, and I guess like the the takeaway that I had was like, well, I think it was one moment during one of the gameplay demos. Someone was like, "Are you watching this on a 4K TV?" Yeah. If not. Go and find the 4K yeah. TV yeah, that was and the come Mass back. Was it Mass Effect? Yeah. yeah. No. And as exciting as Mass Effect is going to be, like just hearing that, it's like, what? Yeah. Okay, I'll just I'll just pluck uh, two grand out of, out, yeah. of, out of the air and just go and get a 4K TV, shall I? That, I mean, it's 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 it feels like more more like future proofing than something that's essential, right? Absolutely. And and, and this this so this console is 350. Uh, pounds. It's going to be three hundred fifty pounds. Comes out which November tenth, which is good. Which is which is which, which is, is about the price yeah. of the PS4 now. If anything, a bit cheaper than the PS4s now. But what does this mean for games? Yes. Okay. They, they can run four K 
Uh, and I mean, well, they're going to be the frame rate's going to be smoother. They're going to have a lot more detailed effects, such as wider color range, more realistic shadows. Do you know what kind of I, I do like the sound of that? But what kind of undermined that for me was the example with Last of Us Remastered, which you can either choose between. You can flip between different visual modes, and you can choose 4K resolution at 30 frames per second, or like uh, a lesser resolution at 60 frames per second. Mm. So it's either or. You can't have 4K at 60 frames per second at the moment. Well, it's, it's that, that's an, a step towards um, PC gaming as well, isn't it? The idea of like, oh, what, what am I, you know, I'm messing with the settings to get it how I want this it. This is a worry. Which, which is not really the console experience, is Yeah, it? this is the worry. Like the idea of PS4 Pro, like the pro part of it, like if, if, if you're that into For like... Professional tweak, gamers. Tweaking all of your settings and like, oh, I'm going to change all of the... Uh, Sliders, yeah. Then you you would you would spend that money on a PC, wouldn't you? You want it you want it sorted for you, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you when you're buying a box to play games on, like in the living room, bang, you're three hundred quid, three hundred fifty quid, or whatever it is. You want it to just work. And and he, and like, uh, in addition to that, the experience is going to change depending on what monitor or screen you view it on. Because if you view it on a 1080p screen, obviously there's no 4K. If you view it on a 4K screen, yeah, there you go. That's going to be better. But different, apparently, well, according to some reports I read as well, different makes of screen mm. change the the visuals as well. Like some screens will make will make you know some parts of the screen brighter, and some it affects aliasing in some areas of the screen. Obviously, that that happens a lot now. Like different makes of screen will you know change the image, but. Apparently, it's it's more it emphasizes more mm. uh, here as well. Well, the the thing has always been that like tellies aren't really made for playing video games on. They're made for showing television and movies and stuff. Mm. And like like a monitor is made like a like a computer monitor is is made. Well, obviously, it's made for lots of things, but it's, it actually has like gaming in mind. Mm. Whereas televisions, they've sort of like for example, modern sleek, you know, expensive, brilliant new televisions have much worse input lag than old, crappy CRT televisions that we used to use back in the day, which is not great for, like, a fighting game, for example. That's actually quite a big deal for, like, some games, or, like, a rhythm action game. Those had to have a kind of calibration and, like, have a bit of it built in lag on them and stuff. Um, Can I tell you a depressing example um, about that, what what you just talked about? I I spent three grand, I think, on a 55-inch TV Mm -hmm. about three years ago. Three grand? No wonder. Yeah, three grand. That's why I'm in debt, by the way. Uh, it's, it lingers with you. Don't spend a lot of money, ever. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to play Mass Effect 3. You know, you know, it's going to wrap around my eyes. I'm going to be in the game. Um, the input lag was awful. Like two seconds before it would recognize my game. So I literally couldn't play any games on it. Because TVs aren't, like you said, aren't really designed for gaming experiences. Hmm. Did you take it back? I've still got it. I just don't play... You've still Games got a it. three grand t- telly that you can't. Well, use. I, can't, I can't shift it now because they only sell for like a hundred quid. Oh Jesus! L- literally, that's the. I'd have taken it back to the shop the next day. Mm. But it, t- it took a while before I realised. I thought, oh, the game's just rubbish. Oh. It, and then I. Realized, <laughs> well, I mean, Mass Effect Three is rubbish. TV. Wow. Well, no, that's okay. A, I don't think it is. Oof. <laughs> but <laughs> I might get into that later. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, this changed my perception of image quality because the pr- the pro, sorry, you're the, the big telly. Uh, the big telly incident. Okay. Because the big I, telly I, I, did, I did think that all I wanted was the, the crispiest image, and I want like crispiest, a, a, amazing visual quality. I need my fifty-five inch, you know, ten eighty p TV. It has yeah. to be amazing. I but then when I switched to like a, 
uh, a monitor which had less resolution, I, I realised I didn't really care how if the image was the, the best image you can get. And now I'm watching like football clips on my phone, mm. like someone's taken an off-screen video of a goal that someone scored over the weekend. I don't mind watching that. It's not 1080p. It's not 4K. I'll still watch it. Mm. I just care about the, the content really. So I don't. I'm for me personally, I'm not going to get a pro or a 4K screen anytime soon. Yeah, I think I think the 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 visual difference is is not going to be. I think the core thing to take away from the pro is if you already have a PS4 and you're happy with it, mm. and you're not, you know, obsessed with getting the most absolute most amount of detail out of a PS4, and you don't have a 4K telly, don't go and buy the PS4 Pro. Like I think I really think like see how the land lies and. Give it a bit of time because I, it really seems like it's an incremental upgrade for people who already have 4K tellies and really care about that stuff, mm. and existing and and a good option for people who haven't got a PS4 yet because it's only 350 quid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 100 yeah. quid more than the slim. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have a PS4 right now, yep. and I mean, if you and you you know you're either going to pay what is it like 250 quid for a slim or yeah, uh, yeah. for anyone who hasn't heard about the slim, that is. That was also announced at this event. Yes, the Slim yeah. is is a new two hundred and fifty pound version of the PS4, which is smaller. It runs quieter. Five hundred gig hard drive. Um, but it's um, but it's on on power wise, it's on the level with the current PS4s. Mm. Um, Are they going to stop doing the? Well, they already the... tapered off manufacture okay. of the current PS4s. Yeah. I, I believe that's true. That I saw a storyline, uh, sto- uh, a news story that they were uh, sure. tapering off the production on those. It's worth saying though that all the games, uh, like the console is going to play all the games. Mm. So a yep. PS4 Slim would play as the same game as PS4 Pro. It's just yeah. that the Pro would give you slightly more graphical effects. So, yeah. So like it's 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 this it's this idea of if you yeah if you don't already own a PS4 now is a good excuse to go and pick one up. Why would you spend? Why would you not spend that extra bit of money if you're going to blow blow it all on a new console to just yeah. get the one that's just is just better? It seems like future proofing for them, yeah. Like yes, where, where it's yeah. like they want to have, like I think a big problem the console manufacturers have at the moment is they put a console out for like four hundred quid, three hundred fifty quid, and then it effectively depreciates in value on the shelves, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it, like PS4s have just gotten cheaper and cheaper every year. So it's a good excuse to get a new console out, get the PS4 basically back at full price again, mm-hmm. and then you've also got a cheaper option for people who want that. And yeah, anyone who hasn't got a PS4 yet, there yeah. are lots of great options, but yeah. if you do already have a PS4, then I don't think it really offers that much to, to existing mm-hmm. fans. Keep, keep your eyes on the on the, on the the you know the lay of the land and see how it's playing out, really. It's a little bit disappointing in that, like, effectively, anyone who waited till now to get a PS4 is kind of getting the better deal, right? Like, yeah. they, but... But, you say that, but then they didn't spend the last two years playing some pretty awesome games. Yeah, they didn't play Uncharted 4 or... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, joke, joke's on them. All right, so the other thing that needs talking about with regards to PS4 Pro would be the existence of... Uh, Xbox One S? Xbox One S and whatever Microsoft is cooking. And the Scorpio. Around the, around the Which corner. are two different machines. They are two different machines. And as far as I'm aware, the Xbox One S has some kind of 4K madness going on. Yes. Yeah, it's it's basically like power wise it's an Xbox One. Mm. Uh but it's in a slightly smaller case and it can upscale to four K. I Whereas, think and it show it can play um four K content natively if you have a four K telly. Yeah. Whereas you, the Xbox Scorpio is a it's a it's the basically Microsoft version of the PS4 Pro. Like it's it can upscale games and give you a lot more visual bang. How much is an Xbox One S? Good question. Have they announced the price? Shall we very quickly Google the price? I think it's like three fifty, isn't it? 
I'll have a quick look. We'll, 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 go, we'll do a song while Robin Googles. Robin's looking at Google, and I hope he finds something interesting and not rude. Oh, that was rubbish. Terrible song. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. We shouldn't do improv. Let's just sit here quietly. Yeah. We should stick to the uh, detailed script that we wrote for this episode. <laughs> or we should have like uh, actually researched. This is a, it's, <laughs> it's meta that you're actually reading from a script as you uh, say that. Yeah, I wrote that bit into the script. Th- yeah. This is part of the script as well. Yeah. <laughs> and this bit? That bit wasn't. It's 250 quid. <laughs> 250 quid. 250 quid yeah, for X- an Xbox One S. One S- is, is 100 pounds less than a PS4 Pro. So, but it hasn't got the visual effects of the PS4 Pro. Yeah, it's not as powerful. Like the high dynamic range right. and stuff. So these are your, your oh, options. It's getting complicated. Your, it's getting very confusing. your options right now yeah. are, okay, let's let's say you're, you're a console-less scrub. Peasant. Yeah. <laughs> Plebe. <Yep. laughs> you don't have a console quite yet, and you're considering you know where, where to go, right? Mm-hmm. You've got, on the one side, you've got PS4 Slim. Yep. Or the PS4 Pro. Yep. On the other side, you've got an Xbox One standard, an Xbox One S. Yes. Or the prospect of, in the future, Project Scorpio, which is still a kind of unknown, but supposedly incredibly powerful yes. machine. Yes. Probably similar to the Pro, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think, I think the interesting thing becomes does the Scorpio have some kind of VR plan? Is, is Are they going to announce it and say. And you can, and it's completely compatible with an Oculus Rift right. or something. Um, but with the and and price, I think it's going to be yes, incredibly important because like we don't know how much Project Scorpio is going to be, right? So if they come out with a console that's four hundred, five hundred quid, next to the Pro, which we were just talking about, is actually reasonably priced. Oh, they're going to have to match it. They they'd react to the Pro. Mm. I think the problem as well is if that console is like five hundred quid. Mm. I think the thing the problem Microsoft has we, it's not even really a problem, but in terms of like oh who's going to win the console wars, it's like a quite a big factor. Is Microsoft have now pledged that all of their games are going to be on PC as well. Mm. So if they they're naturally inviting comparison to whatever PC you can build at that price, right. and if 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 they're putting out a console that's like five hundred quid or like 600 quid or something, then you start to look at it and think... I'll get a PC. I could get a PC and I could play all the same games, and mm. I could play them with an Xbox controller because it, it, I can just plug it in and it works and everything, and I could play it in, you know, Steam Big Picture mode or, or Windows... Um... Then I could go on Amazon and buy a Spider-Man costume. Yeah. The thing we all oh, want yeah, to do... Yeah, minimise it and then, yeah. Um, so I think Microsoft is in a slightly different position where they have to really... They have to really make it clear to people, why would you want this console instead of a PC? And obviously there are lots of reasons for that, but I think once you start getting past, like, £400, Mm. you're getting into the realm of, like, tech enthusiasts who are probably savvy enough that they could build a simple PC. Mm. Not necessarily build it themselves, but, you know, choose what they want. Yeah. That's what you want from consoles, isn't it? Like, go back to what you said. You want, like, value, for one, like, a cheap price, and you want it all to be there for you. You don't want to have to screw around with settings. Mm. So yeah. I, th- I think Microsoft know that, and it won't be too expensive. Well, I think Microsoft is moving away from the idea that, like, we are a console manufacturer. I think they're moving into, like, the Xbox One is a machine that we make. Here are the machines that we make. 
But ultimately, Xbox is a platform mm. that exists across PCs, all the Xboxes. It exists on your Windows phone, on your Windows Surface table, whatever, mm. you know, your tablet. And, like, getting rid of the idea that, that consoles are their own ecosystem that is separate from everything else. Mm. And even Sony is kind of doing that a bit in that you can now do um, PlayStation Now on your PC. You mm. can remote play to your PC, like... Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was interesting to hear. I, I think I read a news story with Kasirai, obviously of Sony, talking about famous Nando's lover. Yeah, uh, no, you're thinking of Shu Shuhei Yoshida. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, he loved no, Nando's. He yeah. loves, Sorry, he's a, he's a, he's Sorry, everyone. Partial to a cheeky. Nando. I embarrass myself. Uh, no, uh, Kasirai. What, what's cheeky Nando's in Japanese? Uh, cheeky Nando's. Yeah, it doesn't have uh, a. There's no cheeky in Japan. Uh, Nothing's cheeky in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Very solemn. What was I? What was I talking about? <laughs> Are you talking about Kaz Hirai? Right. Okay. So Kaz Hirai said, "Did he uh, say Ridge Racer?" <laughs> yes. Okay. Actually, that's the end of the story. Sorry. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, he was talking about Pokemon Go and about how Sony now will throw themselves into the mobile market. I mean, they already there already are a bunch of Sony mobile games, right? Just do more of that. Just buy ones. What, what are the Sony mobile games? Because uh, I can't remember seeing their Uncharted. Name on the app store. There's an Uncharted mobile like a, game. Oh. There's a There's a Lara Croft. Um, I suppose that's not Sony anymore. No, 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 Sorry, but I mean, I I, w- I would just see them doing, um, you know, like like Square Enix has done a really good job with their thing, where they basically like all of our property, all of our big properties, will turn them into this. Um, they call them the Go games, so like Hitman Go, yeah, Tomb Raider Go. Go. We'll do like a a cool mobile puzzle game out of our existing IP. Probably sells more of it. Fallout as well. Yeah, Fallout, Fallout Shelter. Shelter. Like yeah. I think it's a. I think they'll 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 aim to kind of tap into that. That weird kind of AR kind of Crash Bandicoot, yeah, endless use runner, your camera to look at things, use GPS to go places. I think that's what he was talking about—the idea that that a mobile game can make people get up and go somewhere, like mm. yeah. kind of take over their lives a bit. Yeah, and oh, I don't know. What if it was like, oh, you can earn these in-game points by going to your nearest subway? And, I think yeah, it's. Re- oh, I think it's really difficult though because like it, it's like. Um, have you guys ever seen the Social Network film? Yes, I have not seen that. It's film. Very good. So it's all about uh, the creation of Facebook, mm. and one of the big core things in that film, in in like when they're starting up Facebook, is that a social media network is incredibly hard to start because people will only be on the social media network that all of their friends are already on. So you have to get everyone on it at once and have a big group of people on it, and and they have to be cool people that everyone wants to you know be on the same network as. I think like like that style of mobile game has the same problem. Where like Pokemon Go, like that game literally already existed, or a very very similar game already existed, but it didn't take off in anywhere near the same way, and it didn't have anywhere near the kind of community effect where people were all interacting and stuff because it just didn't have Pokemon behind it. Mm. And Pokemon is like a you know is a phenomenon like no other. And I just imagine like if it was like Crash Bandicoot. Tempo. Go like, yeah. like Crash Bandicoot. Collect all of the um, Wombaf- fruit. Yeah, it's people aren't gonna like. Lots of people would be into it, but but people aren't gonna get behind it in that kind of like universal, transcending all barriers kind of way. Yeah. And like, the more people you can get involved, the better that experience is going to be, and the more interesting it's going to be, right? Mm. Whereas, like, if you just put like an endless runner where you can pay some money to skip the levels, then. You just make money, and you put Oof. out a few of those, yeah. um, and you wow. buy like what? King or something. And... Oh, what depressing <laughs> tangent that was! Oh, um, suck the life. Out speaking of, the room. of games, though, go on. 
we did see a few games at the event, which uh, were, we they were showing did. off in 4K. Um, as you say, they were showing them off in 4K, but I can't imagine even 1% of the viewers were watching in 4K. <laughs> so I don't know how valuable that is. But we did get to see um, Mass Effect, for example. Ooh. We got to see a little bit of Mass Effect. Yeah, see that on YouTube as we speak. Actually, yeah, head to YouTube and you can find that. You can click in the, the resolution box, you know, you can change the resolution of your YouTube video. And it, it goes up to 21... What is it? 2140? Right. 2140 by something, something, something. And anyway, you can see that, but you can't tell. Because, no, as you say, no one's got a 4K screen. I see. That was the one where the guy was like... Um, Come back later. Yeah, yeah, if you haven't got a 4K screen, go away and get one. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, cool. like on really dismissively as well. It wasn't like, oh, we're sorry. But it was just like, what are you doing here? He like, should have that, said, go away you? on Amazon, order one, wait a week, and then watch it. Like, I can understand what, where he's coming from. He's, he's saying, you know, this, this isn't just a general trailer. Because their general trailer is coming out, I think, 7th of November, it was mm. that he said. Yeah. Um, that wasn't supposed to be, here's our general Mass Effect trailer. It's supposed to be, like, here is our tech demo of 4K. Mm. But it really highlighted for me, like, how far in the future this stuff actually is. Because he's saying, oh, just go, go and find a 4K screen. And it's like, we don't live in that world yet. We're, like, we don't live in the like, world where there's just 4K screens everywhere. We're, you know? we're in an office full of games journalists, and we play games all day. There's literally one 4K screen in the entire office. Yeah, I didn't even the know there was one. Who? There's one, and I've never seen it in real life. It's hidden away. I won't tell you who's got it. Have you got it? No, <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell. You. I won't tell. You. But um, yeah. Have yeah. I got B- it? Bottom line is, it's hard to find and not really that desirable to find it. But Mass Effect Andromeda, yes, that's all right, didn't it? it? Looks, it I think it looks amazing. Cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you were talking on Twitter about how similar it looked mechanically to. Yeah. Uh, Inquisition. Yeah, I'm playing Inquisition at the moment, um, Dragon Age Inquisition, um, which uh, which I think is a lovely game that looks really lovely. But the first thing I thought when I saw this Mass, Mass Effect Andromeda footage is that looks like Inquisition, like in terms of like how the animations feel, like how it looks, like even down to like the the visual style and like the way that it was doing. Like um, he's run. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, the the main character Ryder is like running along some like platforms and he's jumping between them and stuff. And then in the background, there's this, like, huge, you know, kind of almost Halo-like skybox and, and all of this, like, grand scale around him. And he's kind of hopping along a few little platforms, which is very Inquisition. Like, mm-hmm. that thing of, like, here's a massive spectacle behind you. It reminded me of the um, the mission in The Fade in Dragon Age Inquisition, where, like, in the background, there's, like, the Black City. There's all this stuff floating about. Mm-hmm. But you're essentially walking down a sort of a little path. Which is not to say it doesn't look cool, because I think Dragon Age Inquisition is very cool. But to me, it looked like, here's that tech, and we've put the Mass Effect stuff on top of it. We've reskinned stuff, mm. um, and hopefully, you know, we've we've gotten rid of all the janky edges, the rough edges of that game, because Dragon Age Inquisition does have some sort of some annoying bits to it. Mm. Um, oh, well, are we critiquing the game or the? The, what the pro is doing to make the game new. I was just kind of talking about Mass Effect. I thought it was just nice to see a little bit of Mass Effect. Andromeda. Yeah, it was good to see it out in the open. Apparently I mean, we can't well. really comment on what it looks like on a pro because we don't have 4K screens. Yeah. We didn't watch yeah. it on a 4K screen. Yeah. So the 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 hero and the heroine, mm. you can choose between them at the start of the game, and they're brother and sister. Apparently, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting idea. Yeah. Well, so they both they both canonically exist in the world. So yeah. if you choose one, does the other one appear as a character? In the Pro- well, well, this, we don't, this, we don't, this we don't know yet. That mm. would make sense, though. She's like a crew member. Or he. That's, sorry mm. to uh, assume your gender. It might, be like, uh, boy, but... it might be like Dragon Age 2. You had yeah. brothers and sisters in Dragon Age yeah. 2. Was it B- um, Bethany, Bethany and um, Carver. Yeah. 
And you could choose to control one of them? No, you. Uh, so you, it, it wasn't dependent on your gender, but if you... Spoilers for the first like two hours of Dragon Age 2. Uh, if, uh, based on which class you picked, one of your siblings died at the start and you got the other one in your party. It's to yeah. keep it all balanced. Okay. So like Bethany was a mage and Carver was a warrior. So if you were a warrior, the game was like, oh, you don't need him then. So he died right at the start. And um, Which I thought was quite clever because then mm. like they could build the story around the idea of, oh, one of your siblings died. But yeah. then they didn't have it's to choose f- which it, one. Yeah, it's like a functional choice. Yeah. Um, it is quite hard to talk about whether Mass Effect Andromeda is going to be good. Because like, as you say, we only saw five minutes of a man running forwards. And it was like totally about context. Like, who even are you? Like, where are we? So I think we kind of have to wait to the, the trailer mm. uh, drops before we can even see whether it's going to be good or not. But so, yeah, so stop talking, everyone, about Mass Effect. <laughs> That's what I think. Um, Wait, did you like it, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, there's not there's not a lot of like meat to chew on at the moment. It's mm. very kind of we're all like Is making predictions and not really kind of there's not enough facts, yeah. not enough things to kind of get stuck into. Well, they also showed oh just just quickly they they also showed Farpoint uh, off as well and Infamous and Shadow of Mordor and uh, Spider Man at the event. Did they not? They did. <laughs> and just uh, just about what the pro can do to these specific games because each game is going to require a patch from the developers to harness the power of the pro uh, give it some extra graphical effects <clears throat> some some people there have said that Farpoint had twice as much detail on the pro Farpoint is a VR game by the way which you're, you're like stranded on an alien world apparently they rendered a, a beach in uh, I think it was Uncharted and it had a lot, lot more detail on the pro. Wait, so are we talking about Farpoint or Enchanters? This is a different one. I'm just listen. Oh, okay, sorry, okay. Uh, and and Spider Man. Let's, let's, sorry, let's go back to the whole VR thing. Okay. So, like, that's something we haven't really thought about. Yeah. Like the fact that the, if you're, always... if you're just thinking about buying a console now and you are interested in VR, is there any point in getting PS4 Slim? This is the thing where I'm really concerned because well, I think, can run VR games. I think this could make or break PSVR because mm. if PSVR doesn't like only runs at the level you want it to run at on a PS4 Pro and doesn't run as well. They've committed to it running on a PS4 mm. and they have made some statements saying they're really proud of how well it runs on a PS4. Mm. But if it doesn't run as well on a PS4 as it does on a PS4 Pro, and particularly if it runs so badly that you don't want to play it there, mm. then to me that will kill PSVR because mm. suddenly instead of being oh, you can get it for 350 quid, it's like an Im- it's the cheap impulse by PS- uh, the virtual reality headset, it, go- it suddenly becomes it's £700 mm. for good PlayStation VR. That's that's not the cheap and cheerful oh, option anymore. Everything's so expensive. Hopefully, hopefully they get it running to a really acceptable step on PS4. Because mm. the thing about VR as well is this, like, if the frame rate's dodgy, you know, when you're transitioning, like, um, if you're going from, like, 3DS to, like, new 3DS... Like, if the frame rate's dodgy, that's not a fun time on the old version. That's not a fun time. In VR, if the frame rate's dodgy, you're going to be sick all over your, all over your t-shirt and trousers. Mm. Like, it's, it, it, like, it can't be bad. Like, it, like it really can't. The, the frame rate as well, but there's, there's something uh, about, like, jagged visuals in VR that's even worse. Yeah. Uh, like, you can, you can stand a jagged visual just when you're looking at a TV. Oh, oh, that staircase is a bit... You know, jagged, but 
when it's right in front of your face, it makes you feel a bit nauseous. Mm. Yeah. So it's even what you do need really smooth anti-aliased uh, edges in VR. I think. There's, there's so few areas where you can compromise in VR in terms of performance. I mean, um, Ben Tyra from uh, Official PlayStation Magazine was telling me about the uh, Call of Duty VR, which is a sort of a little mission. It's like a, I think it's like a 15 minute mission and you're flying around in a spaceship, you're blowing up spaceships. Mm. It's kind of a tech demo. It's not really like a full game or anything. But he was saying that it was really noticeable how much less detailed that was than the full game. Mm. Because... If it comes down to it looks lovely versus you're throwing up, yeah, all these other factors like frame rate, as you say, like like anything that could break immersion, like jagged edge and stuff. If you have to like downres the textures, have less objects on screen, all of that sort of stuff mm. to get what you, where you need to be, you have to do it. You've got no option yeah. because otherwise people will be sick all over themselves. So many questions about pro. It's I hard to I, just say yes. It's I kind of like that though. I kind of like that that the the kind of the edge that developers are having to brush up against now is not about like how powerful machines are and stuff. It's like how much the human body can actually take yeah. before it starts chundering. I don't want to be an astronaut though. I want to be a gamer. I don't know. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, that is also true. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm, I'm always kind of, me, man. I'm always kind of up for anything that sort of drifts towards a dark cyberpunk future. Yeah, like how much VR gaming can your brain handle? <laughs> yeah. Snap. Um, I wanted to touch briefly on Horizon Zero Dawn as well, because they showed that off there. And You're um, getting ridiculously excited about this game. I, I, I don't get excited about upcoming <laughs> games that often. I'm quite cynical about hype. And, uh, you just and, like and, metal uh, dinosaurs. I kind of do. And uh, they so showed a video I. where you could, <laughs> And you're proud of it. <laughs> they showed a video where you could climb up one of them, Shadow oh. of the Colossus style. and, uh, oh. uh, and it, it Did lo- you feed it? No. Oh. They're robots. They, they wow, did you just ask... Could you feed something before you asked, could you shoot something? <laughs> yeah, I'm changing. <laughs> so you, uh, uh, we saw Alloy um, jumping onto... It's one of those huge, like, long-necked dinosaurs with the big, like, disc head. And she jumped onto it and, like, climbed up its neck and got on top of its head. And then, like, hacked it. And um, and it looked a lot like, to me... This is this is speculation. This oh, my God. Is, this is Robin's Speculation Corner. Everyone's leaned in. Can we get a jingle for this? Robin's Speculation Corner. <laughs> isolate that playback. Uh, it looked an awful lot to me like um, a version of Assassin's Creed's towers. Oh. Like it would reveal because a little map, a sort of holographic map appeared. It seems like it would be filling out all the area, but like instead of being just like a static tower, you have to go up. They're like moving creatures that walk around the map and stuff like that, hmm. which um, which could be a nice twist on that idea. How looked... many times have I heard you complain about the towers or <laughs> they never had or legs. Like radar discs? They didn't or, have legs. Or all the various like vantage points in uh, in in Ubisoft games. And what if it wanders into a lake? I mean, I what don't... if you start sleeping? Yeah, all these things you have to consider when, when it's alive. <laughs> I mean, it's not real. <laughs> but, I mean, it does whatever on. the game developers want it to, right? What if it? What, all these things that can happen. Um, I think that's the thing, though, is that like, it doesn't take much to just like like those Assassin's uh, those um, Ubisoft open world games, like Assassin's Creed. Like they like that template became so popular because it was brilliant. Like mm. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is is one of the best open world games ever made. It was. It was I agree with this. Wonderful game. It was good. And it had all of those things in it now that we now roll our eyes at, like, you know, towers and stuff like that. But, like, the reason we got so tired of it is all the Ubisoft games are exactly the same <laughs> with, like, no consideration of, you know, for example, like, um, was it The Crew where you had to drive up to 
radio towers? You didn't drive up them. No, I know, but like, <laughs> but like the fact that they were like, oh, we're making a car <laughs> game, but we've still got to have towers in. You yeah. know, like, like they always became so similar. All, I think all you need is a bit of a twist, and I think after having to run up and jump up onto a big dinosaur and climb up at Shadow of the Colossus style, I'm just a sucker for climbing up monsters. I just think that's awesome. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. To... Sorry, it's starting to sound a bit, bit manic there. I, I am excited I, for this game. I, I think, like, with, with regards to the whole the, the event as a whole and the games that they showed off, there wasn't a lot of, like, surprises. I was expecting them oh, to announce Spider-Man. something new. Sorry, go on. <laughs> uh, I was expecting them to show off something, like, new. There was, there was a oh, leak new, that suggested yeah. that they were going to show off the Star I, Wars game, right. and, and that, I feel like, would have made a lot of sense. If you could be like, and this is a new game developed for the Neo, yeah. sorry, for the Pro that looks like this and yeah. it's like Amy Hennig's new game it's Star Wars it looks like you know Uncharted 6 yeah. See, that's, you know that's that would point. be that would be a good selling point I for that system th- I think they wanted to shy away from revealing anything new because it would have stolen headlines from the the pro that, that they wanted to have that as an isolated message like here's the pro I, as you say like that also could have worked I don't know I mean if you had one absolutely massive like presumably eventually multi-platform thing but but revealed at the same time as the pro, yeah. then you would have had that that like mental link that people would make between that game and that system. That's yeah. the thing is, I think if you had something that was really spectacular, Even and then people could go, ah, visually spectacular. The PlayStation, PlayStation pro, pro Pro is what does that. Exactly. Like therefore, the Pro is really good. Like yeah. I think and that... it doesn't. It wouldn't necessarily need to be like a first party or an exclusive. It would. It just have to be something that okay. the, it was just shown for the first time. At the same time as the new system, tell you what was to make that link. Spider-Man. Yes, sorry. Well, yeah, yeah, about Spider-Man. So yeah, wanted to. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Ben it... Griffin, owner of a Spider-Man suit that he wears oh, yeah, of an to... evening while eating his like chips. A weirdo. I do like Spider-Man. I'm not like a freak or anything for Spider-Man. Are you wearing a suit cool. under your clothes right now? Anyway, Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> the game is. They didn't show off gameplay per se. They didn't show Spider-Man jumping off a building and swinging around New York, but they did show a few extra. Moments such as Spider-Man chasing goons in a car. The goons were in a car. He was on his web, uh, and he was um, he like yanked one of the, the the thugs out of the car. And did we already know, see that though? We 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 saw snippets of it at E3, the okay. the trailer. But this showed a bit more of that type of stuff. And it was it did kind of boil down to quick time events. But it looked amazing because you could tell it was all real time. It was it was, it was happening in real time. Did you see this? Yeah, I haven't seen this. I, I, I am going to reserve my excitement. I'm not going to get excited about this one because I feel like if 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 I'm disappointed by another Spider-Man game, I, I might actually break. Yeah. Because like, there's just so much potential in them. They never realise their potential. Yeah. I mean, I... They, come, they come close occasionally, mm. but you just think that if they, if they do... Oh, don't get me excited about this again. Because if, if, if they get if it right, it's going to be brilliant. But if you're looking for a good um, example of... Uh, what the what the pro can do, um, if, and you don't have a 4K TV to see that. There was one image where they kind of uh, zoomed up to Spider-Man, and he's wearing his his mask, um, and it's the exact same same shot from the trailer at E3, which ran on a PS4. This mm. one's on a PS4 Pro, and you could see like each kind of like bump and ridge in his mask. Whereas if you contrast that pro footage to the PS4 footage, it's it looks a little a little smoother and less detailed. So you can do a side by side comparison of that and. Uh, it looks pretty good. Hmm. Well, um, let's reserve judgment. Now it is time to talk about Nintendo. Robin's taken his jumper off. I've taken my jumper off. I've rolled my getting sleeves serious up. Serious business. I'm now. getting serious. 
it's the most serious piece of news we could possibly have received. Nintendo was at, at Apple's latest event. Mm. And Mario is on a bloody phone. No. That's right. He's on a phone and he's automatic running. What's he doing there? He's not endless running. No. But he is automatic running. So this is Super Mario Run. Run. Yes. Um, Super Mario Run. I've got a bit of research for this as well. Oh, right. Go on then. A new iOS game starring Mario. He runs automatically to the right across a new Super Mario Bros. style level. This is cribbed from uh, uh, kotaku.co.uk. Yeah, so it's what you'd expect. You tap the screen to jump. You know, you, the longer you tap, the higher he goes. Um, Where he stops? Nobody, nobody knows. Um, right, so uh, from the footage we've seen, right, this looks like basically Mario on top of the bones of uh, Rayman. the Rayman mobile games. Like, jung- was it Jungle Run and Jungle, Jungle Fiesta Run. or Fiesta Run? Or Fiesta. Jungle Run was the one where you ran yes. away from the screen and sort of thing, if you see what I mean. Right. That wasn't the Rayman game. No way. Jungle... No, that was that's Temple Run. You're thinking of Jungle Run. What you could change? I've made direction. a fool of myself. There was, there's like Jungle. There's Rayman. There was a Rayman game when he wasn't in a Jungle, jungle Run the TV show when we were kids. That was... and there was Naked Jungle with um, Chris Tarrant where everyone was naked. What? <laughs> okay. Right. Definitely don't want to talk about that. So it's the Rayman mobile games. So th- what I think your your point here is, don't worry that it's a a, a running game. It's not an endless runner. Right. It's like a if you ever played Rayman on phones, it's like a, a platformer, but you don't use the stick to control Mario. He yes. just does it automatically. So There's a lot it, more control It's there. a solution to the problem of not having that tactile control over the direction. Precisely. Right? So, Well, or pre- precise control over exactly. the direction. Sorry, breaking news from me reading my own notes. Go on. There is an endless mode. Oh. Okay. Where it's called Toad Rally. And, um... <laughs> it's really weird. You uh, uh, basically you have to try and get as many mushrooms as possible before you die, and um, there's like uh, high scores. There's a um, leaderboard, and you compete against people online. Also, apparently, it's a one-off payment. It's not free, but there are no microtransactions. Is that correct, Robin? It's a one-off purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry to clarify. I said you collected mushrooms. You actually collect toads, as in the little men who look like mushrooms. Lovely. Where are you putting them? Uh, you can you can uh, use them. To customise your own mushroom kingdom. A personal realm that you customise with coins wow. and toads. Actually, yeah, that does sound quite cool. So, okay, the, the, Rayman, the Rayman games were actually really, really good. They were. And, and so, we don't necessarily have to assume that this is going to be bum. It might actually be really good. And it looks really good. I suspect it probably will be good. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole, point. the whole lack of microtransactions kind of bodes well for the kind of the bevy of Nintendo titles that we know are also on the way on mobile. Such as Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem. Yeah, I mean, Animal Crossing feels like it would be the one thing that That microtransactions would make sense, Mm. right? I wouldn't mind paying for stuff in that game. I wonder, though... Because it it would set your avatar apart. You could be like, okay, I'm going to buy this snazzy jumper. No one else has bought this yet. You can't unlock it through conventional means. I'm going to walk around in a jumper and no trousers. It would just be like your real life. Showing off a snazzy jumper that you bought. Not wearing trousers. Exactly. I'm glad there's no webcam in this room. I'm glad that once you do get the game, you'll maybe stop doing that in real life. <laughs> no promises. Damn. My, uh, I guess, worry. Right. But um, I wonder if... So with me, Tomo... Uh, me, Tomo. Me, Tomo. <laughs> um, 
they were clearly gathering a lot of marketing research data out of that yeah. app. It was, you know, it was asking you questions like, oh, what's your favourite food and stuff, but it was very clearly logging those questions Wait in order though. to sell you future... Are you telling me that Mitomo is basically a guy with a clipboard from Nintendo, and then after he's asked you a bunch of questions, he's handing it over to some marketeer? Is That's that what exactly what I'm, I'm saying. <gasps> filthy marketers. Was it? Marketeers. Like, these are... These are... Allegations that you're directing in Nintendo. It's here. not an allegation. Have they is admitted it? that they were doing that? Well, it's not illicit or anything. They were, they, but I mean, they got, they've got all of this information. There's no reason why they wouldn't, they, you know, store that and bank it. And 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 Mitomo wasn't an app that um, had lots of way hooks in it for making money because I suspect that wasn't the point of it. They were essentially getting their value out of it by getting all that information from customers, mm. which they can then use, you know, in a charitable way. They can use that to give people. What the they experiences want. they want, yeah. you know, going forward. But I was a bit cynical about it, and that you know, people seem to be taking it as something very innocent. And to me, it read as something, um, not necessarily like that cynical, but something that is very much like a tool of a corporate entity mm. to you know get information that they want. Um, and I wonder if these other games will be similar, where they'll treat mobile as a way to gather information about what people want from future Nintendo products and stuff like that, mm. or if they are actually committed to you know making a really good phone platformer, a really good turn-based strategy game on phones are really good. You know, I mean, the lack of microtransactions implies that that's the case. Like they're, they're, just, they're, they're mainly concerned with making good games that people want to buy the one time to be able to play. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that like, it, it might be that the reason it doesn't have microtransactions is because they are getting their value out of the marketing research data again. You think it'll once, it, think like between on. levels it'll be like, so? Maybe. How, how are you doing there? Do you like the game? presence of pasta in the sky? Mm. Oh, that didn't really make sense. Would you pay money? <laughs> Can we take that out, please? The presence of pasta in the sky. <laughs> to remove the pasta, would you pay money? <laughs> um, I can do that for you. Do you like the Timberland banner? Or is that obtrusive? Timberland, uh, eh? But, but yeah, if it's like if it's like £3 and this is a great mobile platformer, then that is brilliant. That's, that's, that's the ideal for me. I thought all Nintendo mobile games were going to be free to start. as They, they like did to say that, actually, didn't they? Yeah. Start. So maybe this is like you can play through the first le- three levels and then you pay once to unlock the whole game. See, yeah, I like that as well. That, yeah. That's like a demo, isn't it? Mm. If, if you think of how many people would have been turned off by Pokemon Go if there was a, an upfront fee, the re- I think that part of the reason of Pokemon Go's success is that it was free and you yeah. could just download it. Mm. If you had to pay one ninety nine or whatever, I don't think I would have. I would have paid that. It's weird, though, isn't it? Because you'd pay you'd pay thirty pounds, forty pounds for an actual Pokemon game. Do you know what? I've I've paid ten pounds in Pokemon balls. Uh, so far, because I've right. ran out. So but far, I only, but I only, so far. yeah, I've already, I've, I've only got like four or five left. But it's because it got its hooks in me mm. that I decided to give them extra money. Is um, there a hooky Pokemon? Is there a Pokemon with hooks? Um, Pirate Zygarde. Zygarde. It got its Zygards into you. Hmm. I, what, what, what I really like in phone games, and this doesn't seem to have worked as a business model for that many people, but I really like when the game is free. And there are some, like, I guess, quote-unquote, premium elements. And But if you pay, like, this one-time fee of, like, £2 or whatever, or, you know, maybe even, like, £5, you get everything. That's it. All that can be bought with money, mm. you've got. And then, then it feels like you're playing the game and you're like, oh, I really enjoy this. I want to kick a bit of money the developer's way. It's almost like, uh, like reversing the usual video game mm. purchase decision. It's like, you play the game for a bit, and then you decide, I do want to buy the game. You know, I do want to pay the, the money for the, the experience the, I have. The thing is, though, like, 
with, when it comes to like microtransactions, once it's a certain value, once it's a certain cost, like the the minimum size microtransaction you can do, so like sixty nine p or whatever, you only need a certain percentage of players to go ahead and and buy something at that small amount to then make your money if your install base is is large enough. Yeah. yeah. So like if your install base is like five, it's like a million people <laughs> because it's free. But then only five percent of people actually end up buying something. Then you're still making a ton of money, right? Yeah. yeah like well, I mean, we've whales. seen we've seen how how you know iPhone games make money. People mm. basically, on the whole, people aren't willing to spend more than a pound for a game mm. maximum, um, and they much rather it was free. And and people will buy things like you know temporary bonuses and coins and stuff like that. And it is very, very few games on the App Store that you see that are like three pounds, five pounds. Oh, Have you stuff. seen Final Fantasy or Chrono Trigger? They're like fifteen yeah. quid. Yeah, mm. what but are they playing at? I wonder but how much you, those you sell. Say that, but then those those games, you know, if you wanted to buy uh, like Final Fantasy Seven on your PlayStation, then that's that's like what is it, twelve ninety nine for for one quid? It ends up being this really weird value proposition where, like, like I mean, the, the, it's the same game. It gets you, it gets you, weird. Why would on... it be ridiculously because less. it's old? But it's still. I mean, you'd you'd pay. You can't. But why is why it expensive you, there? <laughs> what you think it should be sixty nine p on? No, I think play, it should be um, four ninety nine at most. Okay. Okay, sure. But then, if it was four ninety nine on your console, yeah, do you think it should still be four ninety nine yeah, on your that's, mobile? That's fine. That that is the thing. Is is you can particularly see it on Steam, but there are lots of games on Steam that are also basically the exact same game as on phones, mm. but on Steam it'll be like a fiver, and on phones it'll be like 99p, yeah. because they know that they can't sell games for a fiver on, on the, the App Store, the, the, but the they val- can on Steam. The value of games is kind of devalued. That's the thing, is on phones, people just don't put any value in games, mm. they see it and they're like, well, you know, on, on, on a PC or console, you'd happily pay, you know, 45 quid for a game, with how season passes are going. Well, happily. Well, <laughs> You grudgingly, <laughs> with the way season passes are going, you could money. you could easily spend eighty quid on a new game or something. But mm. on, but then a, the same person will then look at their phone and see a game for you know eighty five p and go, oh, what a rip off, you know. So <laughs> like there is there there is that value perception on on phones that is just completely different. Mm. Um, got off what, on a bit of a tangent. Though. What's next for our discussions? Yeah, we've gone off on a little bit of a tangent. We should let's, probably let's rein back in and. Um, oh, by the way, uh, let me just say that um, another hooky Pokemon I could have said is Pinsir or Cypher. Thanks, I think Cy- Cypher would have been a better one. Yeah, I'm yeah. kicking myself. Damn it. Um, well, thanks for that. Anyway, carry on. Well, speaking of games that um, have expensive season passes and could cost you 80 quid on launch. Go. Oh, wait. What? Are we talking? Matt, you wanted to briefly Oh, right. <laughs> Uh, wow, that the... was a really cynical way of introducing it. Yeah, sorry. We are excited about this game. <laughs> wait, uh, Robin, cynical. It's on the cover of our issue that's on sale now, which is issue 308. Call of Duty. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Yes. Um, Matt's played it. He came back excited. Yes. And I, I like, I mean, we've talked about this game on the podcast before and about how I think we were all a bit. We were quite cynical then. We, we were quite we were, worried. We were a bit, a bit kind of cautious as, as to whether or not we should start getting excited. We were on the Battlefield 1 train. I'm here to tell you that you guys should be getting excited. Um, oh, yeah. Because it's, it's a bit, it's a bit good. It is a bit good. So I ended up playing uh, some of the single player campaign. Um, did you guys see the Black Sky demo? Yeah, yeah. set in Geneva. I believe so. Yeah, and then yeah, you go up into space and that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you get into the into the jackal and fight in a yes. big old space dogfighting battle. So I played through that sequence. Nice. And I played through it multiple times as well, just to kind of test out how 
how differently you could go about uh, playing through it. That's and the answer is quite a lot of different ways. So my favourite kind of path through that area is there's, there's a section where you're like climbing up this hill and there are like these drone kind of robots that kind of you're, you're fighting against as you as you ascend up to the to the main building and there's this huge like helicopter which gets smashed out of the sky and rolls down the steps really kind of explodes exploding everywhere and, and creating all kinds of new cover like uh, in the wreckage and as that's happening another huge like dropship thing is coming down to drop more drones and I was kind of struggling a little bit because it's it's there's a lot going on and it's it's actually quite hard. But um, I ran into the wreckage of this of this helicopter to like take cover. Noticed that there were these like charge, uh, like hacker charge things. It's like a kind of tool that one of the gadgets you can use. And I hacked into the one of the drones on the dropship that was about to drop all these guys down to make things even harder. And then whilst I was in the mind of this guy, uh, this drone, I could shoot the other drones inside the dropship from the inside. And then as I was doing that, the, uh, one of the developers kind of leaned over and he says, you know, you can self-destruct if you press the R2 button. So I was like, uh, pressed R2. The whole th- and it kind of zips back, the camera back down to your main character down on the ground. And you just kind of, well, I'm in cover. And I know it's really dangerous, but I have to see this. Yeah. Kind of popping my head out to watch this thing just explode into shards and just spin out of control oh, nice. and smash into a building. And it's like that. That was one way that I ended up doing it, but there were like two or three other ways in in, the, in those those few playthroughs where um, I was able to call down an airstrike on top of the thing that was uh, firing down on me. I was able to find other weapons to help take it down. Um, it was great. Could you just ignore the dropship, or do you have to take it down? I think you probably want to take it down. <laughs> it's like they do, just do keep they coming drop, and coming and coming. Do they actually drop the robots? Or yes. Does it hang there? No, oh, no, so no they're it, dropping it robots. It actually makes it easier if you hack into it or you take it down before they drop the robots. Um, there are robots already there yeah. that you have to take out before you, you even got a chance of like clearing enough space to even look at the thing. Because even if you want to target onto it, you've got to be out of cover so that you can look at it. Yeah. And there, there are drones like rushing from all sides, so you have to kind of. It's very kind of you have to, you have to really quickly prioritize what you're doing each time you enter an area yeah. so like you go in you think okay there's cover cover on my left there's cover in the middle there's cover on my right where am i going to go and what will what challenges will that throw up and you have to think of that like in an instant otherwise you're getting shredded by bullets that, that's really so really really quick and, that, and but like a lot of the criticism for cod is always oh it's just like a corridor you know there's not much um scope for players to like express themselves but mm. here you actually can in I, I, I have a feeling that that across the across the the, the campaign that it'll be a kind of mix of both. It'll have mm. these like because you know this wasn't a huge area; it was just a very varied one in terms of how you approach it. Um, but ultimately, it was one one kind of shooting arena inside the the campaign level. And I mean, I, I was thinking about um, uh, another uh, demo that they showed us. Uh, like behind closed doors was of um, this mission set on an asteroid which is like spinning and it's spinning very very fast but it's very close to the sun so um, the day and night cycle on this asteroid is is really really quick it's like 15 seconds so for 15 seconds it's completely dark and like gloomy and quite quite spooky but then at at 15 seconds you know it changes and it's day and suddenly it's uh, 900 degrees outside uh, like any kind of metal that you can see is glowing and like looking like it's going to melt and there's like lava exploding everywhere and That's the so rocks cool. are like sizzling with the heat and so and, and if you're caught outside in it you just burn to a crisp so like and and that 
that sequence of you and your your like squad uh, and like traversing these these rocks and trying to get to the next bit of shelter within the 16 uh, 15 seconds it, that 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 was not like um it didn't seem to be like an, a hugely varied piece just an incredibly crafted uh but very tense uh you, I mean, you, you, if you were being negative, you'd call it a corridor, but it was just, it, it didn't feel like it just it feels sounds like, like very, uncharted. Very uncharted. Like. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, like, uncharted sequence. like there, a, there uh, was a moment actually, and if you played the last Call of Duty, uh, set in a hurricane, um, yeah, uh, in Black Ops 3, Black Ops 3, yeah, yeah and, and you had to, uh, you know, hunker down behind cover when the, the tide came through and like, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the wind blew a car. It sounds yeah. like that, but wrapped up to extremes. Ex- and in exactly. space. I think as well, the thing with Black Ops 3, because I mean, I, I, I bounced pretty hard off of Black Ops 3, and I, th- I think what it came down to in the end wasn't necessarily... Because, I mean, this campaign was quite weirdly interesting, right? But um, <laughs> but uh, that was a game where you fight against uh, like robots and like uh, auto- automatons and things like that. But they didn't, it, didn't, it didn't necessarily feel like you were shooting something, or like you were doing damage against them. Because, like, I, I, was, I kind of weirdly compared it to... Do you remember Garden Warfare, that Plants vs. Zombies game? Yeah, yeah. Where, like, you're shooting a cactus with a pea, and it's like, well, how do you animate that to make it look like you're actually doing something to it without it just looking, like, like just weird? And it was a similar thing where, because it felt so artificial, you didn't know that you were doing damage, you didn't feel, like, you didn't feel, like, powerful or anything like that. But the feedback when you, when you pull the trigger on one of the weapons in, in Infinite Warfare is incredible. Like, the sound design is, is is pitch perfect. They're, 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 the weapons in Call of Duty are like the best. They no gun in an FPS feels better to fire than a a weapon in Call of Duty. Mm. Strong thing to say. Yeah, no, and it's, it's <laughs> prove me wrong. This is, this is the other I thing, haven't like, played a Call of Duty it, in quite a while, no, so no, I can't. No, when but it, in like any other game, is that a good weapon? Uh, well, there's lots of good weapons in other games, but I don't know how good the Call of Duty ones are because I haven't played it in a while. It reminded me, and I, I remember talking about about this one. We were talking about uh, FPSs a few episodes ago. But it reminded me kind of of, of Black. Remember Black? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about Black again. We're going to talk about Black again. Because <laughs> the guns in that felt like powerful, kind of meaty, like, machines. Yeah. And they do in Infinite Warfare as well. They always feel yeah, very destructive. Yeah, yeah. They they feel like like tools uh, that could really easily kill a man. Whereas, <laughs> as, as they are meant to. Whereas, like, in other FPSs, it just feels like, okay, you're pressing a button, some... Projectiles are coming out. Mm. This was like can, you can tar all FPSs with that brush. That seems a bit. A, a lot of them. A lot of them Doom? are. Doom weapons don't feel very good to fire. You didn't like the weapons in Doom. Oh, well, which it... Doom were we talking about? The latest Doom. Oh, oh yeah, they felt good to fire there. <laughs> okay, but yeah, it's, it's so you can't really put your finger on what makes a weapon good to fire. It's like an intangible thing. That well, well, I actually good. asked the oh, developers how you make a, a great Gilman get to the bomb of things. Uh, like the the kind of processes that they go through. Uh, was that in the feature? Did I put that in the feature? I don't think that's actually in the magazine. Uh, so this is bonus content. Wow. Okay, so they, they have like a like they have like a, a series of kind of iterative tests that they go through. Yeah. Uh, so like they'll they'll build a weapon, hand it over to these guys, and be like, "Does this feel good enough? How can we tweak it?" And they have like checklists of like of like quality for each individual thing. So it's pretty. Uh, what pretty what cool. are some specifics? Well, they would good, that stuff. Good boom. They, I was like, can I see the checklist? No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so annoying when you like you ask a, a, like a developer, for instance, like, oh, what, what did you like about working on this game? Oh, just a general experience of it. No, but, no, but what, 
what literally like have you got any examples just like generally really it's good good time well i think it's it's like asking what what's in the secret sauce right uh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean they, well they probably as well, they want to go, they, probably if, if you ask them like okay what actually makes this weapon feel good they're probably like well it's actually this like very specific small animation <laughs> that like it's this particular uh, vector yeah. algorithm oh, you that's know what probably I get really specific the really geeky stuff but yeah so Call but of Duty never, Infinite Warfare is, is looking really exciting cool wait can I I talked over you there can okay. we take that go on what were you going to ask another question oh no I was just going to say that otherwise everyone would replicate that formula yeah like, like yeah so the secret source thing right so yeah. you, you yeah, get true. like people going ah oh, so that's how they do it let's do that in Battleborn 2 exactly Battleborn 2 uh, no, exclusive yeah, reveal then we wouldn't know what to think <laughs> oh god um <laughs> Right, we've just got time for, uh, sorry, uh, I should say first, uh, if you want to hear more about Call of Duty from Mr. Matt Gilman, and mm. it is a feature that makes it sound like an extremely exciting game. Um, it is an extremely exciting game. Check out our latest issue, 308 On Shelves Now, for a massive feature on Call of Duty with loads of hands-on and uh, interviews with the dev team, uh, an interview about the new Zombies mode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, really exciting stuff, and a big Call of Duty man on the front cover, so you can't miss it. Anyway, uh, now uh, we've just got about got time for one fan question. Um, this is a question, uh, well, this particular question was posted on our Facebook, but you can also give us questions, ask us questions, some would say, on our Twitter, um, or uh, send us an email at uh, gamesmaster at futurenet.com. This question is from Stan Cohen, uh, and he asks, which game has the greatest storyline? Um, which I thought was a question. great question. Um, I just want to. It's quite a tough one. I wanted to put this out there before we start discussing it. Are you going to say something really controversial? I don't know if this is controversial or not, but when I started thinking about this and thinking about the games that I really like the writing in, mm. I realised I think there are almost no great video game storylines. There's lots of very good video game characters, really good worlds. Stories that are very fun to play, things like that. But if you actually just take out the storyline and look at that on its own, I think most video games don't have very good ones. But is that because you're interpreting the story in your own words and your own words are rubbish? What? So, for instance, <laughs> I, if know you, what you're I think he's trying to say story, you're talking rubbish. <laughs> if you extract the story of, you know, Jurassic Park, um, it's not good because oh you know man makes dinosaurs in a theme park but the reason it is good is because it's written so eloquently and uh creatively let me give you an example of what i mean that would maybe like yeah okay i need this clarifying so um in the last of us for example the last of us is a game with a story that i very much enjoyed playing through i think it's um a very well written game and it's and obviously it's like applauded as one of the best games and one of the most like mature video games Mm. The Last of Us has extremely good characters, and those characters are given a very long time to develop and to bounce off each other. So, like, Joel and Ellie are the core of that game, and and their relationship is what is brilliant about that game. The actual story of that game is, there's something in the distance, let's walk towards it, we've reached it, something's wrong, we have to go to that thing in the distance, walk towards it get there something's wrong mm. about four times 
and then the game ends. Like, it, it has a very cool world, it has really cool characters, but the actual storyline of the game is very basic and really just serves the gameplay and, and, the, and the sort of development. Um, I think Uncharted 4 is similar, where it has good moments, has good characters, but the actual story is usually just, we've got to go and get that thing, we got there, someone took it away, we have to go over to this other place to get the thing, someone took it that, away. That's like the moment-to-moment thing, though, but the, the overarching story of Uncharted 4 is... The, like an aging treasure hunter, uh, he's he's annoyed with uh, you know a life of domestication, and he wants to like reclaim his manhood in a way. That's the ultimate story, and he goes on a big adventure. I mean, if you're if you're boiling everything down to to like it's missions, a, a, like completely most basic elements, then every single storyline we you know follows a similar path. In yeah. That, like okay, there's the call to action. Okay, there's uh, you know the midpoint. Okay, there's the thing. I mean, this is this is like f- film theory at work, right? Yeah, no, I'm, but then, I'm not. I'm not breaking like, it down in that way. But uh, I think a story can can be its characters. You know, I think that's totally fine and valid. Like, I mean, well, I, if I was just going to answer this question, I'd probably pick To the Moon. Okay. And when you say like, oh, games don't have great storylines, I think that's one that definitely does. I mean, I go yeah, back I'm and not play saying no it, game does, but... and there are things about it that are like. A bit awkward, uh, like characters talking about anime and st- weird stuff happening like that. But it's like the core kind of story about. Have either of you played To the Moon? Yeah, yeah, have you? I haven't. Okay, so the the, core, the the kind of basic setup is these two doctors are called to essentially help alter the memories of uh, a, a, an old dying man so that he can go to the moon he can he he will like remember that oh yeah I, I became an astronaut and went to the moon once um and in order to do that they have to delve into this guy's memories of his of his life over the years and and make significant changes to to usher him down a certain path but doing that means changing what what should be really formative kind of essential facets of his memory and there's this like big you know, kind of quandary of whether or not those changes should be made and it's like properly affecting but like that like explaining that that's the plot you've got the start point you've got you know i went to spoil the ending but you've got the end point and you've got this meandering kind of to and fro throughout the whole four hour long runtime of the game and it's just superb like but you could you could sum up that story in a sentence you could just say like okay Man is implanted with fake memories, mm. but it doesn't mean anything then, unless. You, like, well, no, I, I, I would know, say if you reduce, if you reduce to the moon to just a sentence, it still sounds like an interesting story. Mm. If you say Do- yeah, doctors that's, that's must implant an idea oh, in an mean. old man's head okay. that he has gone to the moon, that is immediately interesting. Yeah, right. right. It's, it's the it's in the a way that, pitch, that like hero saves the world mm. from demon lord is not inherently interesting. If Stan had asked us which game has the greatest story instead of storyline. Would you be able to answer that question? Yeah, I, I think there is a dis- like a distinction. Or if, okay. if he asks, okay. if he asks which game has the best Sta- writing, Stan, I'm gonna I'm gonna step in here because I don't think this conversation has gone the way you thought it might go. <laughs> so, you sitting at home like oh, I didn't mean. I, yeah. I, I <laughs> what thought have I, I done? I, I thought there was an interesting <laughs> distinction that made me think about narrative in games. But if you guys don't think that that's interesting at all, I, yeah, then, then that's fine. Well, no, it's interesting. We can move on. It's interesting. It's just I, I don't know. I don't know how how that. I just don't know. I, I just don't know I do, anymore. I do see parts of your point, 
My, my point I in general like is... I'm, we're looking at it so deeply that I'm getting really confused. <laughs> and I don't know what's, what story is and what's plot and what's writing anymore. I just wanted a nice, simple discussion where I, I mentioned my favourite story. Which is what is your favourite story? What, what is your favourite video game story? Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got two. My, my first pick is when, in Super Mario 64, when Princess Peach bakes a cake for Mario. And... Um, she uh, invites Mario to the castle, <laughs> and Mario comes to the castle, but Bowser's actually kidnapped Peach, um, and he has, Mario, ha- Mario has to rescue Peach, and spoilers, he rescues her in the end, and they have a nice cake. That's your favourite video game story? Nice and simple. Uh, my second video game story... <laughs> okay, if you'd led with that, I probably wouldn't have gotten into like narrative theory and stuff like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, it's a game called Where in Time is Carmen San Diego. Have you, either of you, you gentlemen played it? Is that it? on yeah. the Mega Drive? It, I played it on PC. It could have been Mega Drive. It was 1998. I think I played that. Had a great theme tune. Where yeah. in Time is Carmen I think the theme, theme tune's from the uh, TV show. Was it yeah. Where in Time or Where on Earth? Where on Earth. There's been a few. But then I think the game was Where in Time. Okay. There's been like I Where in the USA is Carmen San Diego. It was so long ago, but, though. Yeah, but... It, it's basically about Carmen Sandiego is like a time traveling thief, and she steals something called the Chrono Skimmer, opens up wormholes in time, and goes back. Well, she sends her goons back to different time periods to steal ancient artifacts. Uh, and you can go through the, the rifts caused by the Chrono Skimmer to chase after the crooks, prevent the artifacts being stolen, in a bid to stop Carmen Sandiego. And I just thought that's a really cool uh, globe trotting or time trotting adventure, and it leads to all manner of wacky scenarios. Such as it trips to ancient Rome, trips to uh, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, uh, and the first spaceship, um, uh, which Yuri Gagarin flew for the Russians, the first manned mission into space. Sputnik. Sputnik, that's it. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Wow. So those, those are your, those you think are the two I, greatest I, video game stories ever? I, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, th- that, those are two that I would not have thought you'd picked. Or anyone would have picked. Yeah, th- to me those... <laughs> They are quite That doesn't childlike. make any sense, but okay. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, but that's a lot. That's okay. They, they, they make you feel good, don't they? They're nice and uh, positive, and in the end you stop you stop Carmen Sanigo and you eat the cake in Mario, and mm. it's just nice. Okay. I guess. Maybe, maybe, and, yeah. and as Spielberg said once, uh, famously, he said, don't tell me the movie unless you can sum it up in a sentence. And I think you could sum up those both in a sentence and make it seem really good. The elevator pitch. But and and they made good games as well, which is it's kind of irrelevant to the question whether the game's good or not, because he asks Stan asks what is the greatest storyline. But I thought those led to good games as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about you, Matt? I've already said to the moon, to the moon. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I, I think it's quite a, quite a personal one. I don't think like I don't think it's going to be the best story ever told in games for everyone. Like I said, there's some weird stuff in there. That, that, that clearly, the creator, what was his name, Ken, Ken Refugee. Ken, I can't remember. Barlow. Ken Barlow. Yeah, let's stick with that one. Uh, <laughs> sure. Okay. And uh, but uh, I played that game, sat down for the whole four hours of it in did one you, go. Did you cry? I would like a, a complete uh, child. That's it was. Good. Wait, can I modify this question as well? Has the game ever made you cry? Oh yeah, to the moon. Apart from that. Uh no. Uh. I'm not sure if a game ever has. No, to the Although moon. I don't necessarily think that's like a 
it's often touted as like a mark of storytelling quality. I don't think it's necessarily what games are for. I think, it, I think it's uh, the highest mark because if a game makes you cry, it's involved you more than any other. Like I didn't cry, my rats died, and I, and I quite like them. So if a game was important enough to make me cry, I'd be like, wow. But I mean, I think. Job. Have you, Ben? <sighs> Nothing springs to mind. Oh, yeah, do you know what? I did cry. I didn't weep, but I did have tears in my eyes. This is a spoiler for Mass Effect 3. Oh, go on. Yeah. It's been out for a few years now, but the moment when, in my story, Tally, mm. uh, I've been going out for, with Tally for like a few years. Going steady. In the, in the game. And we were, I really, you know, oh, we in got the game. on in the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, because she doesn't exist. Um, and I'd built up this relationship for, for years since the first Mass Effect. Um, That's not it, possible. She was only in two. Wasn't she? No, she was in one, but she wasn't romanceable. No, until... no, but, but I knew her in... Oh, right. oh I see what you mean. Okay, okay, okay yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, I, yeah. there's a character that I, I've known for years, and I managed to accidentally kill her and her entire race. Well, you just, like, <laughs> stumbled over and hit the big red button? <laughs> well, yeah. The Whoa! Word... <laughs> like, because the, the choice was quite binary. It was either, like, agree with her or disagree, and disagreeing meant, you know, killing her entire race. Because... The Geth, uh, you know, the whole... The yeah. Quarians had a war of the Geth. I sided with the Geth on this occasion, and it just meant betraying her. And I think she threw herself off a cliff because she was so annoyed with me. And I was like, oh my god, this is a character that I've known for years. We're going to get married. And no, she's, she killed herself. And I was I was kind of um, a bit emotional, actually. Yeah. Did it not just make you angry? No. I thought it was good writing, and... No, it was, it was a good wow. moment, I think. Okay. Uh, I'd like to give a, a little shout out to uh, Witch 3 Heart of Stone, uh, the DLC expansion for, for the first DLC expansion for Witch 3, which I think is uh, it's like a standalone story that doesn't really tie into the main game. I th- and I think that is genuinely one of the best storylines in games. I think it's it's a really wonderful, self-contained, like like kind of like weird folk tale. It's like all like deals with the devil and stuff like that. Um, so uh, that's my that's my vote. Um, oh, that that got really that went all over the place, didn't it? That yeah, that, uh, that's yeah. I did enjoy the like the in-depth, you know, deconstruction of story and games. I don't know but... which side of, <laughs> of which side of it we've emerged from. Well, thank you for the question, Stan. You certainly kicked off as Matt says. I think you kicked off maybe a, a more involved discussion than you expected. <laughs> but um, uh, but thanks for sending that question. And if you at home have any questions for us that you want to hear us uh, answer on the podcast. Um, just uh, get in touch with us. We're always open um, to hearing from you. And you can even get in touch with us on our personal Twitter accounts, if you like. Um, mine is Robin L. Valentine, at Robin L. Valentine. Ben Griffin, leaning into the mic, ready to give his Twitter handle at prematurely. If, if anyone didn't hear that. At Game Griffin. You can get Ben Griffin on that handle. Uh, <laughs> Matt Gilman. Uh, at Gmaniacal. Uh, you can get Matt at Gmaniacal. Um, that's all the time we've got. Head out to the shops, grab our Call of Duty issue that's currently on shelves. But uh, for now, I have to say goodbye. See you. Goodbye. <laughs>